Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native Podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? The Not So Native Podcast would like to welcome back our sponsor, MLR Professional Tax and Accounting Service, 623-505-7141. MLR Professional Tax and Accounting provides personal and business tax and accounting services. Looking for help with your business or personal tax returns this year? Choose the firm we choose at the Not So Native Podcast, MLR Professional Tax and Accounting, 623-505-7141. There's never a charge to talk. All right, welcome back. We are here in Peach Springs, right off the historic Route 66. We're at the Grand Canyon Caverns, okay, right? And uh, we are here with, uh, if you want to go to introduce yourself here, sir? Well, yes, hi, or glad you're here. I'm John McNulty, uh, managing partner of the Caverns. Uh, I have uh, two other wonderful partners that we don't see as much of as we would like. Uh, Mike Cablitz, uh, Seal Beach, California, and Diane Carson out of... Uh, Park City, Utah. So oh, wow. I'm the one that's here all the time, along with about 50 wonderful people that keep this whole place going. Wow. So tell us, tell us what you got here uh, at Grand Canyon Caverns. Yeah, well, this is the original Route 66 um, attraction in Arizona. Uh, dates from 1927, the first tours, which is a year before the Route 66 road was uh, came through here in 1928. Wow. And... Uh, it, uh, until the freeway bypassed it 36 miles south of us in uh, 1978, it was the number one tourist attraction in the state of Arizona. Really? More, more sales tax here than the National Park. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, it was a 24-hour-a-day truck stop, uh, taking people from uh, uh, Chicago along the road to L.A., uh, and then this was the last high-desert truck stop before the Mojave Desert. So in the old days when the cars and the trucks didn't have air conditioning, everybody partied here all day and then they headed to uh, Southern California <laughs> and uh, the beaches uh, overnight. Right, because you don't want to drive through the desert during yeah. the daytime. We love those old cars, but they did not care much for uh, desert heat. And the big old trucks had no air conditioning either, so the truck drivers didn't care much for it either. You know, when I was a kid, we used to do road trips from San Diego to Dallas. My dad was in the Navy, and we, we would always leave San Diego at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon so that we would go through the desert and, and be on the other side. Yeah, same, about, same uh, for us, going from uh, uh, Long Beach, California, back home to uh, Leavenworth, Kansas, and we would take Route 66 uh, a good portion of the way there. And, uh, yeah, always at night. Well, yeah. so, what, so what do you have here at the Green Camp? Obviously, you have the Cambridge. And that, and that in and of itself is attraction. But there was there was other things along the way, and there's other things here at the at the uh, at the facility. Yeah, it's I mean, a pretty amazing place. We have all of the same things that they have at Disney World in Florida, only um, about Route 66 and about a different time and era. But you name it, we have it. Uh, we have five different lodging types. We have uh, great camping, uh, wonderful RV park with hookups. 
we have uh, 48 hotel rooms on the outside look like 1964 by uh, by choice, mm -hmm. uh, but inside are completely up to date and absolutely gorgeous. Uh, three bedroom house that sleeps 12 with three full baths. Wow. That's been completely redone and it has huge family rooms and game rooms and uh, giant kitchen, giant dining room. So really festive place to be. And then uh, we have the cavern suite, uh, 200 feet underground that sleeps six and utter comfort uh, way below uh, anything. Wow. And, and complete silence down there? It is complete silence, yes. Uh, you can hear your heart beat very loudly there. <laughs> uh, have you stayed in it overnight? I have not. <laughs> I'm not going to fib to you. I have, I'm down there all the time. I love to go down there and read uh, because uh, there's no allergies down there. Uh, those uh, 43 miles of limestone filtering from the sidewall of Grand Canyon, and I have a lot of allergies. So uh, we're just about to hit pollen season here the 1st of March. And I'm, I'll go down there and recover and then take a pill because the pills don't work if you're in full blossom. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, wow. So it's really, really comfortable down there. I just have never wanted to spend the night, but it's in use uh, about five nights out of every seven in a week. Wow. And uh, people just absolutely love it. So wow, shame on me. Oh, well, you know. And we're here at the, the restaurant, the Caverns Grill. Yeah, this is our main restaurant. Um, we have uh, a lot of seating inside. We have a huge uh, uh, screened-in patio with uh, deep barbecue pits and uh, tables and chairs out there. And we have uh, another restaurant, the Grotto Restaurant, down below in the cave that sleeps, oh, wow. uh, seats up to 20 people. And uh, it's become a real darling of the uh, foodies. It's currently uh, one of the top 10 picks for dinner in uh, on the Food, Food News Network. Really? So it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty wonderful. Is it open today? It is open. Yes. Oh. It is open. We'll go down and take a look at it. You'll see it on the tour, too. We'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's go check it. Do, they, do you Wait. serve beer down there? Yes. Oh, well, then that's where I'm going to have to have my frosty cold Well, truck. you can have uh, and you can have it up here, too. We have a, a full resort liquor license, so... Um, the good times roll everywhere up to a point. <laughs> up to a point, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Now, it, clearly, clear for those of you that don't know, right now it's uh, end of end of February, beginning of March, and there's quite a few tourists here. Do you guys get a lot of buses? Yeah, our only slow month of the year is January. Uh, really, uh, not, nothing saves January. Everybody's always dreaming up schemes to save it, but. Pretty hard to save something when there's absolutely nobody on the road. So, um, but February is our best month of the year because it's uh, prepaid reservation month. So nobody's here, but we're awash in, in money and we're so thankful. Right. And then March 1st, just like magic, uh, people come. So yesterday was March 1st and we had a very busy day. And this is the 2nd of March and then they're coming in uh, in bunches. So awesome. we're very lucky. And then uh, our lodging, which primarily serves the waterfalls in the bottom of the Grand Canyon at Supai and the rafting, along with people traveling cross country on vacation. That we have our first sellout on that March 15th, and then it stays very busy all the way through October. Wow. 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 <clears throat> so how did you how did you come into running this place? Or what what was your your three your two other partners? Yep. How did you guys decide, hey, you know what, this is a this would be a great idea. Let's let's get a cavern. Well, no, that's not not really exactly what happened. Oh, see, I've been coming here since 1967 because I've hiked every spur inch in the Grand Canyon, on uh, north and south, and all and everything down below. 
Wow. And every time I'd bring new people out to go for a hike, we'd always stop in here for a tour of the cave and for lunch. And here's lunch, speaking of lunch. Are you a homeowner? Are high electric bills busting your budget? Well, do what I did and call Charlie Miller with Argent Solar, 623-734-6011. Argent Solar has an A-plus rating with the BBB and zero complaints with the Arizona Registrar of Contractors. Save money by harnessing the power of the sun. Call Charlie Miller, 623-734-6011. Look at those, look at that food. And since this is an audio podcast, we'll have to describe what Thank we're you. what we're looking at. We'll probably take some pictures so that you can see it online. But fresh uh, I've, I've got the jalapeno jack burger, and it is amazing. Look at look at these, and you've got the pepper jack burger or jack cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Yep. And John here's got the BLT. Look at that. That uh, is pretty thick. You know, John owns five restaurants, so John has to be very careful what he eats. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, all five of them here, or do you have we other have restaurants? We have another restaurant 40 miles west of here at the Antares uh, Road Visitor Center, historic building from the early 1950s that we uh, took over four years ago and have uh, completely renovated and huge gift shop and a wonderful, wonderful restaurant in there with a, about a 40-mile scenic view up Long Valley towards the... Um, uh, Grand Canyon West area, so wow. uh, that's that's become quite a nice thing. Is that us. west of here or east of here? West of here, forty miles west. Forty miles the, west. Towards Kingman, mile okay. marker seventy-five. Mile marker seventy-five. Okay. And, uh, and here we have uh, another restaurant down front, the uh, Betty Boop Cafe, which is seasonal. That opens in April, and uh, then we have our breakfast room down front, which is open every day of the year and serves breakfast uh, in season from five a.m. to ten a.m. and off season, which just ended uh, from uh, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. You know, we, we have breakfast for three or 400 people a day. Wow. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig in for a second. You're asking a, a question. Jesus, go on. Cool. Got a mouthful, so I don't want to. No, we're very right? <laughs> So, what, how long have you actually been partner, kind of owner of the, the facility here? Yeah, in 2001, my brother um, was. Uh, coming back on Route 66 from Chicago, ironically, um, with uh, Mike Cablitz, who's our, our partner. Mm -hmm. And um, he called me from here and said that your favorite place is for sale. And I, he didn't have to say the name. I knew what it was. It was here because I always felt bad that it had gone on such hard times because of the freeway bypassing it so far away and with no off-ramp. Sure. So I was really left to, to die. And uh, they did, it almost did die. They lost 95% of their business the day the freeway opened, I-40 opened. Wow. And it never came back. When we bought it, it still wasn't back. But it was such a wonderful place, uh, 1,500 acres with 40 structures on it and uh, the amazing caves and lots of other potential that I, I, I all I said was, well, we should buy it. And uh, so it took us about a year to evaluate uh, whether we could save it. It also took the owners uh, who had had it 55 years about a year to decide that we were the right ones. There were seven different groups that wanted it, wow. but they wanted somebody that was going to uh, restore it and, sure. and keep it true to the character of the road because their grandfather, who did all these buildings and did all these improvements, 
he really loved the place and he had, they had promised him they wouldn't let anything happen to it. Sure. Mm. So in the end, they picked me because I was here every weekend for a year with my son and his buddies and we started cleaning the place and making lists of what had to be done and doing yeah. the work before you even owned it. Before we even owned it. Yeah. Paying our way, you know, um, paying our meals, going on tours, paying for rooms and um, they would call, they got to where they were calling every weekend and saying, is that McNulty guy there? And they'd say, yeah, he's here. Yeah. <laughs> We weren't in any trouble. We just played guests, but we were trying to figure it all out. Sure. Uh, so in the end, they uh, they chose uh, me and they chose our, my partners because they were certain we would fix it. Yeah. And I stay in touch with the Ringsby family, and they have uh, been quite delighted uh, with the turnaround. And they, and they've been especially delighted with the Grotto Restaurant. That seemed to get really get their attention mm. a year and a half ago when we opened that. They just thought that was the coolest thing ever. So. We're very proud to have honored uh, uh, Grandpa Ringsby's uh, wishes and uh, make this place uh, alive again. We uh, we took uh, took it in April of 2002, mm. and um, we had about four very lean years where nothing really changed as far as revenue. Um, we were spending a lot of money because there were just an awful lot of things that had to be done. They had only done the maintenance really on the elevator the last few years of their ownership. And they were, they were in fact, thinking about closing it. Um, so uh, we were a little bit terrified um, about three years in because we had spent so much money and nothing had really happened. But then it started to grow. And um, the last seven years, for example, it's grown 25% or more each year Wow, for seven years in a row. So wow. last year, no exception, 28%. This year, we're uh, projecting probably about 35% growth because of some of the new things we have coming on. So... It's, uh, we, we have no mortgage, we have no, uh, virtually no debt, and we pay for all our restorations out of revenue and all new things out of revenue. So I thank people every day for coming to the middle of nowhere and remind them that without them, we couldn't be here. Sure. We truly couldn't. So it's been a, gr a great honor to see how the public has responded and, uh, and to be able to take this place and just uh, uh, deconstruct it piece by piece and put it right back together like new, but the same way. Uh, and uh, people that have been here over decades just get the biggest kick out of that. that it's, it looks just like they remembered, but it's better. Sure. You know what, we were talking with um, Angel uh, Dugadillo. Mm -hmm. uh, he was in, here in the grotto for lunch two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. Super neat dude. Mm -hmm. Super neat dude, but. He's the one that told me to buy this place. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Wow. He said, you can fix it. It's a great place. There was a lot of money put in it, and uh, you, you could fix it. He mentioned the the Ringsby's uh, when we were talking to him mm -hmm. about uh, how he would, when he started getting his idea of revamping Route 66, and how he came out of here for meetings and uh, got everybody going is the, the whole idea to go. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, yeah, we all owe, um, we all owe pretty much everything to Angel Delgadillo. Uh, he and his brother um, created uh, Route 66 tourist businesses in Seligman and reinvented the road as an attraction. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was a mighty lonely trip for a long time. Um, but now, but they ultimately ended up with huge successes at the snow cap there and the Angel's Barbershop and Angel's Gift Shop. And 
and now it's spread literally from Santa Monica Pier all the way to downtown Chicago. The, the road uh, is, is a lot of fun. What we like about the road is that as it's redeveloped, it's uh, very family friendly, it's very um, couples friendly, but it isn't uh, uh, glossy, it isn't uh, mm. shrill, it's very comfortable uh, fun. And people seem to really uh, enjoy that and they spend, seem to linger. And that's what we want is that they, they would linger and maybe take a moment and just enjoy life for a second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Were you in the restaurant business or in the tourism business before you got into this gig? Well, this is the hobby for me. Um, I've been in the printing business in Los Angeles for 53 years. Mm. And just oh. recently, uh, very recently, left that, retired. And so I am out here full time. I've, I've been out here uh, more and more close to full time for about four years, but I've always done the marketing here for the 18 years we've owned it. And uh, so it's been nice to be uh, uh, managing its growth and, and uh, accelerating the restoration, accelerating the new things that we do. Um, we try to do two major restorations a year, and then we try to do two major uh, new things a year, and, and hundreds of other small things, but. Uh, for example, this year we have the Bunkhouse Village coming online with five new housing units, two bedroom, two bath, living room and kitchen mm. in spacious grounds with fire pits and picnic tables. Really appealing for two couples or for a family. Uh, we are putting in a zip line, probably be the best zip line in the Western United States. Wow. It covers 1.8 miles uh, and it really, wow. you jump off three cliffs. And you average about 35 miles an hour. And, uh, Tell my mom, uh, Brenda, did you hear that? <laughs> it's my mother-in-law, and one of her bucket list things to do is to ride a zipline. Oh, she's got to so, come here. There you go. We'll just we'll just bring her up here when she comes out next time from North Carolina. When do you anticipate opening that thing? They start building in two weeks, and it should be open. They're saying first of May. I'm saying Memorial Weekend, just to be safe. Mm -hmm. But it's coming very, very quickly. Wow. Wow. And it's going to be spectacular. And it goes uh, completely over a route of uh, ancient forests out here. And uh, with no other, nothing below it but natural stuff. They'll see animals, uh, elk and deer and antelope uh, if, if they're lucky. And they'll enjoy our 100 to 150 year old trees that we have all over the property here. That's amazing. That's a great way to. Preserve the area. Now, seeing on the on the road in here, uh, there were signs about a like a Route 66 memorial or kind of like a little uh, tribute. Like a tribute. I'm sorry, yeah. tribute. Yeah. We have eight billboards uh, that we just finished that are parked out back, and all eight will be installed uh, during the month of March, and uh, maybe slip into April. But there'll be one for each state. And in addition to a billboard about that state, there'll be some iconic thing in front of the billboard for that state. Some of them will be obvious things. Um, partner Mike wants uh, a Cadillac with big fins stuck in the ground on the Texas one to celebrate uh, uh, Amarillo. Sure. So um, uh, some of the others will be a little less obvious perhaps, but they'll all be fun. And uh, people from those states should recognize them. And, and they, we hope they'll inspire people to go on the whole road, if not mm -hmm. one trip over several trips and really see this wonderful country. Sure. Now, since you guys took over in early 2000s there, what, did you add some kind of major pieces? I know like obviously the restaurant and the cavern was an addition you guys made recently, but 
were kind of the bones kind of already here when you took over or did you? Guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What a, what a uh, wonderful thing to have a, a property of that size, first of all, um, right on Route 66 and has uh, f had 40 buildings on it. All of them uh, have been saved. We haven't had to tear down anything. And um, uh, uh, the, the marquee of being the, the first and original attraction on the road and just needing a massive amount of love and then needing people to come along. And uh, thank, uh, thanks to Angel and his brother, uh, Route 66 is not just a U.S. following, but an incredible international following. And about 30% of our visitors year-round are from other countries. Yeah. So we are uh, incredibly lucky to know all those people and have them be interested in what uh, this place is. And it really um, inspires us to, to leave it alone but make it work. Now, I've seen a lot of dinosaur uh, because the dinosaur is kind of up front. You've got the T-Rex skull in the back there. Uh, is that just due to a love of dinosaurs? Or is there, has there actually some history of fossils well, was, right on the ground? Or? It started out originally as uh, Coconino Caverns because it's in Coconino County here in northern Arizona. Coconino County is Flagstaff and Williams, which are quite a long ways from here. But well, a very, very long time ago, Coconino County annexed the Grand Canyon, Grand Canyon National Park, Supai, and the Supai Waterfalls, and Grand Canyon Caverns for the sales tax. Pretty smart people. Yeah. Um, and how they got it away from Yavapai County and Mojave County, uh, nobody knows. But uh, so it was called Coconino County uh, Caverns for a long time, which made no sense at all because they were nowhere near those counties. Um, so they eventually changed it to Dinosaur Caverns in the early 1970s when there was a big dinosaur craze in the United mm -hmm. States and it stayed dinosaur caverns for quite a long time and when that faded out the Ringsby's decided to make it Grand Canyon caverns because we are the closest buildings to the Grand Canyon South Rim in this area and, uh, and our cave really does breathe in and out of the side walls of Grand Canyon through uh, limestone filtering that entire way wow. so there's a logic to it um, mm -hmm. We liked the idea of the dinosaurs because uh, we thought, well, what fun it would be for kids and a lot of adults too, if we rescued dinosaurs. So huh. all, all of the dinosaurs here on the property, except Rex out front, everybody else was rescued from somewhere. Hmm. And we go and pick them up. We don't pay for them, but we'll go pick them up and restore them uh, to their glory. Um, on us and then give them a great spot here for everybody to enjoy it. It's been a, it's been a real hit. Uh, our biggest dinosaur is Zumi down front. He's a 6,000 pound green dinosaur. Mm -hmm. He came out of San Juan Capistrano, California, where he was the star of the petting zoo, but was kicked out by the San Juan Capistrano City Council because they, they said correctly there were no dinosaurs in the mission period. Very smart people. Yeah. And uh, so they threw him out. And the owner uh, tried to sell him and couldn't. And I told her we would take him. And uh, so we uh, broke him into three pieces, put him on an 18-wheeler truck, brought him out and reassembled him and had her come out for a re-grand opening. So she's hmm. very, very pleased to know her dinosaur is safe out here. There's a, there's a place close by here that uh, was like a Flintstone theme kind of place. Yeah, there's a, there's a Flintstone uh, village, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that is up by Grand Canyon. Very good. Do you need a box, John? Thank you. It's on the road uh, from Williams to uh, Grand Canyon National Park. That yeah. was a tremendous, uh, really busy, wonderful tourist spot um, forever and still does pretty well. 
Uh, but during the Flintstone period and dinosaur craze period, it was really popping. Uh, but still a lot of fun to go see that. That's about an hour and a half from here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I stopped there one time. It was pretty interesting. It's pretty fun. I heard that yeah, it was creative. closing. That's the only reason I brought it. Yeah, up. they've been trying to sell it for a long time. And I think somebody will still eventually buy it. Um, and rehab and, it. And rehab it. But it, uh, it had a number of issues that were uh, very difficult to make it be a saleable product. Mm. It's a it's very interesting RV kind of going along the same kind of theme there of, of getting out and traveling on, on America's highways and byways and sharing sharing your money with, with Yeah, they're they're and they're wonderful people there. The problem with Route sixty six is like everything else, if you it's fine to be nostalgia and it's fine to keep a nostalgia look, but everything has to be super clean, everything has to be uh, work, everything has to be up to code. And everything has to be renovated. Right. So it's like painting the Golden Gate Bridge. We start at one end, and when we get to the other end, we start again. Because with the weather and, and uh, thank God, all of our people that come here, the place takes a beating every day. And we have to maintain it and restore it and, and keep it uh, safe for everyone. So um, it's, nostalgia is great, but you want to uh, buff and polish that nostalgia. And you want to add new things that appeal to new kinds of customers uh, every year. We, we, want, we love repeat customers. We want our food to be delicious because we want people to come back just for food. Right. Uh, and we want uh, a cave tour to always have something new. When we bought it, they'd had one tour since 1962. And we have five tours currently, five different tours, and we're adding a sixth next year. So wow. A major new sixth tour next year. So, um, and our lodging went from uh, uh, 48 motel rooms that were in very serious decline to five lodging types that are all as good as they can be. Very nice, very nice. I saw one of the uh, one of the tours is like a ghost theme. Is yes, that... our last tour of the day is uh, a ghost walk. It kind of has to be at the beginning or the end of the day because we have to turn out all the lights. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it's not very user friendly for all the other tours. Yeah. Um, but it's very popular. We have uh, uh, leaders for the ghost tours that have a connection to the spirit world. I don't, but they do. Uh, um, we have ghost meters, and they take as much time as they need to see what, who they can contact down there. And we do have a certain number of spirits that, are, that do live here. I've, they mess with me quite often. I can't see them, because I just can't connect with them. But, but they play with me because they want me to know they're around. Walter Peck, our founder, uh, loved this place dearly to the day he died. He had lost it because of a tax dispute with the county and was very bitter about that. And uh, he lives here on uh, eternally. Uh, <laughs> and uh, about seven years ago, he acquired a cowboy buddy from one of the ranches. And so now they are always seen together. Wow. Uh, wow. There's a, uh, a woman here who we think is a mom. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's a little girl who uh, we think is maybe the daughter, but uh, they don't necessarily show a lot of connection to each other. But we also often find one or the other uh, find them together on a, on a tour at a certain time. We don't trick up the tour. Uh, lots of times nothing happens, but an amazing tour of a giant cave in the dark with your lanterns and flashlights. That's, that alone is pretty cool. Yeah. That, that alone is enough to keep me away. Yeah. No, just teasing. I just teasing. It's a good, good opportunity, good opportunity. Uh, what, because there are some people who are, very interested in in caving and caves and stuff like that. What? How did this Grand Canyon cavern come into be? 
Well, the, the Mother Nature did all the heavy lifting. Well, um, the clearly. cave has been under uh, uh, being built for about 60 million years. It precedes the Grand Canyon itself in having been uh, in the process of being formed. Well, and uh, it's gone through a number of periods. Uh, it went through a, a wet uh, phase with fresh water that came up from a water table that rose and ate the limestone out to become the blank walls of our, our caverns. And that process went on for about the first 45 million years, making them ever bigger and bigger. Then we had an oceanic period here where there was a, a documented ocean between the Sierras and the Rocky Mountains from the Gulf of Mexico all the way to Canada. Hmm. And during that period, uh, our cavern was decorated <coughs> with uh, oceanic materials. Oh, wow. So all cool. of our walls and our ceilings and all kinds of things have decorations from that uh, briny saltwater period. In our rocks are endless shells and crustaceans and critters from the saltwater period. Uh, and that went away about six million years ago. And it's set for a good long while. And then our most recent event, major event, was 12,000 years ago to 8,000 years ago. We had a tropical rainforest here on top. Uh, the southwest was much lower and much wetter. And for about 4,000 years, we were very, very tropical. And our number one creature during that time period was uh, the North American ground sloth, one of the bigger creatures ever to live and the biggest creature to ever live in the modern period, so to speak. Uh, 15 feet tall, 1,500 pounds. We have Gertie, uh, a female ground sloth. 15 feet tall sloth? Yeah. At least you could get out of its way. But in the Amazon today, they get up to about six or seven feet. Wow. Same animal. But wow. uh, back in the old days when there was good eating and, uh, and not, uh, no people around, they got really huge. So we found one, uh, the Ringsby's found one in the cave uh, below the natural entrance that had fallen in. And the bones are down at the University of Arizona in their natural history section. Oh, really? Wow. And they build us a full-size replica that you'll see down on the tour today. Wow. Um, after that uh, wet period ended uh, about 8,000 years ago, the uh, plateau here raised up considerably. And it was already rising, but it got uh, ever higher and formed the, the south rim, the high south rim of Grand Canyon. Is that because became, of the volcanoes from the San Francisco peaks? Or? Uh, and the volcanoes right here. There's a volcano right across from our main entrance that's only 6,000 years old. Oh, wow. And uh, our third level of our cave, we have four levels in our cavern. You're <clears> going to see the first level today on tour. The second level is on the adventure tours, the explorer tour and the wild tour that take you into recently opened things over the past uh, eight years. And then the third level is hot and wet. Through 150 feet of dirt, it reads uh, 98 degrees and 98% humidity. Wow. So we are uh, working towards that very carefully, not to destroy it and not to destroy everything else we have here. Sure, It'll sure. Take airlocks and uh, safety doors and everything else. But, and we believe it's uh, flumes of uh, molten lava still uh, underground from our volcano across the street, which is yeah, pretty recent event. You can still walk through the volcano tubes over near Flagstaff. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And, and uh, do you have, you're using, obviously you're using some sort of scientists and things like that. To yeah. Build we, your airlocks kind of like they did at Garchner? Oh, absolutely. We don't do anything ourselves. <clears throat> uh, we're not scientists. We're not geologists. Um, we're, uh, and we're very respectful of our cave. But we use the Grotto Association, uh, which is a worldwide uh, organization of uh, professional people uh, that do caving as a hobby. 
Mm. And they are self-insured and they're the only ones that are allowed to explore in our cave and, and uh, push it forward into other new rooms. We know our entire plateau up here is full of caves, but connecting them up takes a tremendous skill and to do it without destroying anything also takes uh, tremendous responsibility from people that understand and love caves. So they'll be here. They were here in December. They uh, cracked open uh, a new, another giant room the end of December, just enough to peek into it. They'll be back the end of March for four days and they will be entering that room. Uh, wow. they, it looks like they're entering the ceiling, so it'll be a tricky entry. <laughs> wow. So we're excited about that. Uh, in August of 2014, they opened up a very large room, which was in scientific uh, exploration for about two years. And then in the summer of 2016, we were able to put it on a tour called the Wild Tour. It's a three-hour adventure um, down below where you get filthy dirty, do some wiggling, and you end up in this uh, new room, giant room, where Mother Nature has done work unlike in any of the other rooms here, and in some cases, anywhere else in the world. We have microbe sheets that after all this time and constant study by the universities in Arizona and the federal government, they have still not found a match for those microbe sheets. So we are gonna end up in a pharmaceutical contract perhaps this year, trying to figure out what benefit they may have to mankind. Wow. So it's wow. exciting. It's awesome. That's awesome. What's the one big takeaway you would want people listening to this to consider when they come up here to get nostalgic, to go down Route 66? What's the one big takeaway for them about just, Grand Canyon Caverns? Well, when people talk to me, they usually say, wow, you really love this place. And I really do. But they will, too, if they will stop and linger even for a couple of hours. If they spend a day or two with us, they usually fall completely in love with it. And we have increasingly lots and lots of people coming back and uh, revisiting us a couple of times a year or once a year and, and doing uh, seeing what else new we have for them. Uh, my uh, uh, perpetual complaint with uh, Route 66 is not really a complaint. It's more of a, a needling and a, a cajoling them to do more is that um, you, you never, it's a very bad idea to rely on nostalgia. There are very few people left alive these days that have been on Route 66 when it was the Mother Road. Uh, so uh, you're selling nostalgia, yes, but uh, you should also be selling a great adventure. Uh, and we all have uh, different aspects of that adventure on the road. And we should uh, we should buff and polish those adventures to where it's just really a fun trip, whether you're five years old or uh, 50 years old or 90 years old, that everybody in the family can say, wow, that was a great day. Well, I definitely think that you at Grand Canyon Caverns here have got something that's an adventure. Well, you and haven't even seen everything yet. I know. I, I can't, I, I'm, I'm just hearing about it. It's getting me excited. By the I time wanna... we get through with you, you're going to love this place. <clears throat> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, we want to connect the dots for our listeners. So we're going to go on the tour when she comes back up for air. There's uh, one going in uh, 12 minutes. So uh, do you think we could get on that one? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, well, well thank you very much. Yeah. Well, we better get going. Thanks, John. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, before you leave today, or if uh -huh. you want, even after tour, if you see me, I'll drive you around real quick. Oh, but, that would be great. Uh, huge RV park and campground here. The nicest RV park campground I've ever seen. Yeah. Private restrooms with, with uh, showers for two um, and maintained by housekeeping. Uh, 150-year-old trees. Uh, Big sites for pull-throughs, all kinds of little sites, uh, and just you know, glorious views, glorious sunsets. It's so gorgeous. 
a runway, 5,000 foot runway at the far end. Oh, um, well, I'll just fly, fly my plane up here. Yeah, it's a, nice, <laughs> a very, very nice runway. It's a L37, it's a, a U.S. approved runway. Oh, nice. It's a hard packed gravel, but it's a great runway. Awesome. So don't awesome. bring your jet because the thrust reverser. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't get, we won't be able to get out of it. Well, thank you very much. We're gonna get ready for that tour, and you should get ready for that tour too. All right. Do you want to learn more about solar energy and how to harness its power? Check out CaseArizona.com. The Conservative Alliance for Solar Energy is a nonprofit organization focusing on educating Arizona homeowners on the benefits of residential rooftop solar and renewable energy. Check them out at casearizona.com. That's C-A-S-E-A-R-I-Z-O-N-A.com. Take pictures, flashes allowed, ask questions, and just enjoy yourselves. Come on in. Oh, yeah, you don't feel that breathing now. So, guys, we have just entered a dry cavern. When I say that this is a dry cavern, I also mean that it's a dead cavern, so nothing down here is forming any longer. This is the largest dry cavern in the United States and the third largest in the entire world. Follow me this way and watch your heads on the low rock. So these caverns were discovered in 1927 by a man named Walter Peck. He was on his way to a poker tournament. Stopped because it was raining pretty heavily, tied his horse to a tree, when he noticed a six foot wide hole in the ground. He noticed that rainwater was flowing into this hole, but he also noticed that it wasn't filling with water, which made him pretty curious about it. <laughs> so he came back the next day with his older brother, Miles. Miles, being an older brother, decided to tie a rope around Walter's waist. <laughs> he gave him a lantern, a handful of matches, and he lowered him 150 feet on a rope into that hole. When Walter got down into this cavern, he thought that he had discovered diamonds, mm -hmm. silver ore, on the walls and gold on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. So Walter thought he hit the jackpot. Turns out, of course, Walter did not discover any of those things and I will discuss in just a moment what he actually discovered. Follow me this way and watch your head on the low ceiling and watch your step. Is that where, where did he come down? That, where um, was that? We can't see it yet, but and we're in the second room, we'll be able to see it. And there's no hole anymore, it's been sealed off, but I'll show you the area where it was. Okay. So this room is called the Chapel of the Ages. We call it this for two reasons. The first is because of its cathedral-like dome shape. The second is because we've had 12 weddings performed down here since 1977. Up here on the ceiling is a three-chambered ancient waterway called Cathedral Dome. The biggest chamber right there goes up 90 feet above the trail that we're standing on. You can see the second chamber from this side, but the third is hidden under this ledge. We won't be able to see that one until we're on the other side, and I will point it out over there. Now over here is the hole that Walter started mining when he thought that he had discovered gold, silver, and diamonds. He dug this hole 25 feet down with nothing but a pickaxe and a shovel. 
got some samples, had him sent in to get him tested, and while he was waiting on his results, bought the surrounding 800 acres of land, giving him the rights to these caverns, which seemed like a great idea until he got his results back. Turns out his silver was just a low grade of tin called considerite. His diamonds were only selenite crystals and his gold was iron oxide, more commonly known as rust. <laughs> so you can imagine how disappointed he was. In order to make some money back, he started doing cavern tours. He charged everyone 25 cents to tie a rope around their waist and lower them 150 feet on a rope into that hole, making them a dope on a rope. <laughs> this over here is our cavern suite. It is a fully functional suite equipped with two queen-size beds, a futon, a bathroom, a kitchen, dining room table, and a TV with a DVD player and a bunch of DVDs, and of course, our guard dog, Rocky. In the case right here, we have a helictite. The word helictite means hollow inside, and I'm talking about the arch right there in the middle. We call it our teacup handle, and it is completely hollow, just like a drinking straw. It was formed with water and air flowing through it. That one, as well as the formations up top, were dug out of the two ancient waterways that we just saw back there. It took them seven hours to bring these formations up just 35 feet because of how extremely fragile they are. Follow me this way, watch So as I mentioned earlier, we have had several weddings performed down here. The first wedding was April 15th of 1977 and it was done right there on the platform that you're standing on. From that wedding, the bride left her veil on the wall. The black one is from a Halloween wedding they had down here in October of 2000. And then from each of the other weddings, a bouquet was left behind. That bouquet right there has been down here for 19 years and you could still see the green, green in the leaves. We like to point these out to you to show you how well preserved things stay down here. <laughs> the reason things stay so well preserved is because the temperature is always the same. It is a constant 62 degrees down here year round regardless what the temperature is on the surface and also because it's a dry cavern. Another thing about us being a dry cavern is that nothing can survive down here. You will not see an insect on this tour. There are no bats, lizards, snakes, or mice. Nothing can survive down here because there's no food and water. Follow me through this tunnel. It is a 160 foot long man-made tunnel. It took two years and 40 cases of dynamite to blast out. It does get steep, so take your time, use your handrails, and watch your heads. Are we all in? Yeah. All right. So in 1962, President John F. Kennedy declared this cavern a fallout shelter. That was during the Cuban Missile Crisis. In the boxes over there, we have crackers and hard candies. They call the hard candies carbohydrate supplements. You can see what they look like right here in the display case, and they are dated 1963. 17 and a half gallons of water in each of those black barrels. Sanitation kits, which are nothing more than a cardboard bucket with a toilet seat on top. The bathroom's down here. And of course, medical supplies, which you could see a little bit of everything right there in the display case. In 2011, our current owners discovered that we are still classified as a fallout shelter. So they decided to restock and that's when they brought the bottled water down, as well as the MREs or meals ready to eat. All of this supplies is enough to last 2,000 people for two weeks. 
This is the largest room in our caverns. It is 210 yards long. We call it the Halls of Gold because there is a lot of the iron oxide on the walls and on the ceiling, which is what Walter thought was gold. Follow me this way and watch your heads on the low rocks. How many times a day do you do this tour? Well, during the summer, like eight. Uh -huh. About eight, yeah, each of us would do. Because we do them every so half an hour. Well, I'm sure you guys can see why we call this Snowball Palace. We also call them cave clouds, roasted marshmallows, and cauliflower. It took about six million years for Snowball Palace to form, and from being touched for only 40 years is why it's all stained brown at the bottom. Wow. This stuff is gypsum, same stuff that's in drywall, concrete, and chalk, which is very absorbent. So every hand that touches it, or touched it over the years, it absorbed all the dirt, oils, sweat, and acids off your hands, and unfortunately ended up staining it. How long have you been working here, Jasmine? Almost two years ago. Wow. All right. How deep has this been explored? 400 feet back. All right. Yeah, it looks like we got some fishers. Huh. Fascinating. Are we all over here? So this room is called the mystery room, and the mystery of this room is where does the air come from? We don't have any air pumped into these caverns. They used to think that the air we were breathing was coming in and out through the mystery room. Well, it turns out it's actually coming in and out through the elevator shaft. Now, the reason they thought it was coming from the mystery room is because there's an old legend that says that in 1958, they set off a bunch of red smoke bombs in the back of this room to see where the air was coming from. And two weeks later, that red smoke was seen coming out of the walls of the Grand Canyon. Hmm. So that's where we got our name, the Grand Canyon Caverns. They did for a long time believe that we were breathing Grand Canyon air that was traveling in and out through this room, but it is just a legend. It has not been proven. This is also the room where we take our guests on the wild tour. We'd get all geared up with a group of people and go down all these rocks and spend about two and a half to three hours in that room. You can crawl back 400 feet. And where's the skeleton from? The ones that didn't make it. The ones that didn't make it out. Look at you. So I'll just lift the hull down here and make some drill down on the ground. Yes, yeah. and it's actually really cool how they got the cement down here, too. Pumper truck? No. Oh, really? Okay. Holy, I would think so, too. No? How'd they do it? And a or something. What other methods? I mean, Volunteers with a wheelbarrow? They drilled a hole to the surface and they poured it down the hole. No way. And I'll show you it. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's a pretty yeah, good idea. One way or another, you gotta let gravity do the work. Exactly, yeah. All right, so I got six here. That means two went around. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Oh. So, meet Bob. <laughs> okay. Oh. Too bad Bob's not with us. He, <laughs> he went around the long way. <laughs> then we met Bob. He, did a, he died a horrendous death, apparently. So Bob had fallen through Walter's natural entrance in the 1850s. Um, when he fell, he broke his hip. He then drug himself around looking for an exit. His remains were found by the mystery room. While he was dragging himself around, he was kicking up and inhaling a lot of limestone dust. That dust is what mummified him from the inside out. Mm. 
Oh, wow. It's never further than that. So that's going to happen when we get out of your way. We're not inhaling anywhere near what he did. Okay. Looks like one of the little stuffed monkeys. Yeah, he does look like that. He doesn't look like he died happy. No, you're sitting in his face, huh? Yeah, he's in his face. Not too many people do. Well, some do. Some are lucky they don't wake up, but the most tall you do. You can see how well preserved he is. He still has his teeth. Yeah. Whiskers and a little bit of fur. That's amazing. He is missing his hind legs. We sent that in to get it carbon dated, and that's how we know that he died approximately 1850. Uh, and then for anyone who doesn't know what a bobcat looks like, we got this one right here. We brought him down here just to show everyone what Bob would have looked like before he was mummified. Well, this is just a taxidermied one. We bought him online a couple years ago. He's from Amazon? No. Ebay. Ebay. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he's from the Amazon. I'm sorry, did you get it? <laughs> he's not, but that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, as you guys walk by, take a look down at all the fallout shelter supplies. You can really see how much there is. Holy crap, look at all that water. A lot more than it looks like in the truck. Yeah. So is that why it cleaned it up to be drinkable stuff? Hey, yeah, yeah. Water? The water in the barrel is stagnant, but we do have iodine tablets to clear. Oh, so it wouldn't matter. So we're just looking at a big hole. This one goes up 92 feet to the first shelf and then another 50 feet above that, totaling 142 feet above the trail that we're standing on. There's still between 50 and 60 feet between the top of this and the surface. We call it Mammoth Dome because it is so large. Oops, sorry, I turned it off right before you took your picture. Who would have to measure all this stuff? I think they have like lasers and stuff to measure, but they're not actually going out. They do now. It's a dumbass The same one they tied the rope around his waist. Yeah. Now, this is the last uphill climb. Bear with me. We are looking at the cement chute. In 1958, the Rigsby brothers purchased the caverns, and they were the, one, the ones who did all the construction down here. So they drilled a 68-foot hole that went all the way to the surface, mixed their cement on the surface, and poured it down that hole. Dropped it into the box and wheelbarrowed it around, creating all the walkways. It's so hard to see. Not much of it to see, but it's fascinating. Yes. It's pretty narrow. From there, it looks like it was wet when they sent it down. What had to be? Yeah. Well, no, you could have done it dry and just mixed nope. it down here. They oh, mixed well, it on the surface. But they just down. they just poured it down. Well, they could have brought the water down. But well, because I'm thinking after they a while. They wanted to eliminate having to do that, though. Right. They poured but it down, so they didn't have to bring one shot because cement no, is on the I doubt way it. through. I don't think they, they must have reached over it a couple times. There's no. They would have had to flush it. Yeah. Yeah. What's so that over there? That's just how you get onto the bridge. We do that on the explore tour. So this bridge was built in 1936 using leftover materials from the Hoover Dam. Yeah, they had a few. We're going that way now? We're going to go down. Uh, what's on top? Uh, oh, that's how you get onto the bridge. Oh, we're not do the so we take people on the bridge well, when they do the exploratory. Yeah. If you go on the bridge unauthorized, that bear goes after you. <laughs> so that is the bridge that was built that people used to take to get down from the surface into the caverns. Oh, a 60-foot swinging bridge above it are three 15-foot ladders and then a 30-foot staircase. And that staircase started at Walter's Natural Entrance. Hmm. So you would just take that down into the cavern. Wouldn't it be fun to go there again?
So this is dirty. This is a ground sloth, yes. Uh, she is a Glossotherium, we call her Gertie, also known as a prehistoric ground sloth. She had, she had fallen from Walter's natural entrance sometime between 11 and 20,000 years ago. Now when she fell, unlike the bobcat, she tried desperately to climb out and left her claw marks right there in the wall. <clears throat> we know those are her claw marks because a piece of her claw was found right there embedded in the limestone. We still have that piece of her claw in a display case on the surface, and I will point that out after the tour. So that's really her, just stuff? Just trust her Is that really her, her just stuff? No. 94% of her bones were found down here. They sent her bones to the University of Arizona in Tucson for identification, and in exchange for the bones, the university built us this life-size replica. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah. She stood 15 feet, four inches tall, and weighed 2,000 pounds. Wow. Look at those, those feet. Good grief. How sad. Yeah, kind of sad. How yeah. sad. Take your time coming down so, these steps. So what's the floss name? Gertie. You said that. Okay, I forgot. Thank you. You're welcome. No problem. It's old age sitting here. No, I don't mind repeating it. Sometimes. I gave you a lot of information, so it's okay. It's so, so good. Now, the staircase that we're about to go down was also built using leftover materials from the Hoover Dam. And because things stay so well preserved, there has been no need to replace any of these boards. So these are all the original pieces. Whoa. The only thing that's been done is a couple coats of paint. Lumber was a little higher quality when we enter in those days. This last step is a little further down than the rest of them, so please be careful on the last step. So our cavern suite is on the top 10 most unusual places to sleep in the entire world. Number one on that list is a prison cell in Russia. Number two is the ice castles in Sweden, and we are number nine. When you stay down here, we'd have a suite attendant who would sleep on the surface so that somebody was here all night to be your attendant and your tour guide. They show you how to work the lights. They also show you how to use the elevator. They take you on a private standard tour and a ghost walk, which is our paranormal tour in the dark. That's when you get to see the tour in the dark is if you take that tour. So it's the last tour of the day. Uh, depending on the time of the year, it's gonna be at either five or six. Turn off all the lights, give everyone flashlights and electromagnetic field meters that detect paranormal activity. And for an hour, hour and a half, uh, we'll bring you down here. We'll do all the ghost hunting things. We'll call out to the spirits, tell you all the spooky stories. There was an episode of Ghost Adventures filmed down here. I saw it. Did you? Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I, I think did. You, you think you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of activity was recorded. Yeah, rocks it, were being thrown, and right, the fence right. was like rattling yeah. by itself. Have you sensed or heard or anything? I have not, but most of the other guides here have had at least some sort of experience. Voices recorded, uh, shadows show up in video, uh, orbs will show up in pictures, stuff like that. And there's most of us here have had some kind yeah, of experience. Some spirits on. These theater seats came out of the American Film Institute in Hollywood. They had tore down one of their buildings and wanted a place to keep these seats where they would stay preserved. That's because any famous celebrity between 1950 and 2011 have sat in there. 
including Marilyn Monroe, Jackie Gleason, Alfred Hitchcock, John Travolta, Steven Spielberg, Frank Sinatra, etc., etc. They all sat in these seats to preview their own films. Can I get Alan with it? Yeah. <laughs> no comment there, huh? <laughs> That's kind of neat, though. Who knows who sat in that chair? That's it. Me and Marilyn Monroe say, share the same. Got Keurig down here? Well, you gotta have coffee when you wake up in the dark. <laughs> Do you have Alexa down here? I don't know. Turn the lights, you know? <laughs> That'd be funny. Third chamber to Cathedral Dome. This is the one that I was telling you about that we couldn't see from the other side. And then straight ahead is our cavern's grotto. We opened the grotto up August 15th of 2017, and that right there is where we serve lunch and dinner. So for 50 bucks a person, you could have lunch down here. That includes the tour you just took, unlimited dessert, and two alcoholic beverages for each adult. Mm. That's not a bad deal. It's not. $50 for all of that? Here, the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time.